About 10 years ago, we decided to take our confirmation class uh, to the confirmation retreat that's held every year here at Lake Junaluska. And the opening session was in the Herald Center in the large uh, room there. And as is my custom, I was leaning against the back wall, enjoying all of the activities that were going on. Well, much to my delight, a couple of my pastor friends were also leaning against the back wall. And so uh, we kind of got caught up a little bit. Uh, Chuck Wilson, who at the time was the uh, pastor at Long's Chapel United Methodist Church, he had his confirmation class there. And then Andy Lambert, who uh, was actually one of the main preachers for this confirmation event. And you know what pastors do when you're you know, kind of catching up. You eventually get into the counting stuff. You know, like, well, how's it going? It's like, wow, we've got this many people coming in worship. And, like our stewardship campaign was great. We've got this many dollars and, and stuff like that, you know? And so uh, Chuck, I remember, was telling us all about his Easter banners. He was really excited about them and describing them in detail. And I guess Easter was on his mind uh, because then he looked at us and said, how do you guys come up with something new to say on Easter? And we we're like, yeah. It's kind of the, the same story every year. You know, the women get up early, they find an empty tomb, there's a couple of glowing guys that are terrifying, they run back and tell the others and, and nobody believes them. Like, it's all just really familiar. And so we talked about how you can give illustrations, you know, like you can talk about the egg or the caterpillar, but then you're wondering, like, didn't I tell the butterfly illustration last year? And it can be tough. I have learned over the years, though, that it's really helpful to just stay committed to the spiritual disciplines, you know, to be present in my practice of prayer and, and worshiping with the body of Christ and to be looking for the face of Jesus when I'm in the community serving. And uh, Bible reading is, is one of my devotional practices, and sometimes I will say, I'm going to read the Bible through, the whole Bible through in a year. And I always remember uh, one of my mentors uh, affirming that practice, but giving this warning, like, you know, a person can run through a grocery store and still starve to death. And those wise words help remind me to, to slow down a little bit and to read my Bible at a pace that enables me to notice what's on the shelves or uh, to take some things off and put them in my buggy and, um, and nourish my soul. And so I was moving slowly through our text for this Easter Sunday. And I noticed that even though the Easter Sunday sun was rising, we were still in uh, Good Friday's darkness. We were still shrouded in, in death. The, the women get up early and they're on their way to the cemetery and they're expecting to find a dead body. They're carrying the spices that they need. Um, for what I imagine, uh, would be a gruesome job is to anoint and prepare the, the crucified body of Jesus. Like it's a dark morning in that regard. And you know what I noticed? Really like never before is the 11. When Luke says that the women went back after their encounter to tell the 11, I became profoundly aware of Judas's absence. 
I became profoundly aware of Judas's death. And it, it saddened me, and, and I began to think, as I really have through the season of Lent been drawn to, to Judas's situation, you know, as he's trying to find his way in this story, trying to choose his path, he's following Jesus and um, trying to know what to do and get his orientation. You know, like, it's, it's the same for us. How are we trying to make our way? And how are, are we like Judas in uh, realizing that maybe our attempts have just miserably failed? Well, my son Joey and I ran the Horse Capital Marathon uh, last Saturday. And as we were preparing for, for this trip, uh, Joey said, hey, what, what gear do I need to bring? Uh, he was fed up, fatigued with just what seemed like a, an extra cold, extra long Pittsburgh winter. And so he was hoping to be able to, to travel light. And I was like, Joey, I said, you need to bring everything you've got because you just never know what a Kentucky spring is going to throw at you. And sure enough, at the start line on Saturday morning, it was 30 degrees, uh, spitting a little snow. By the time we get to mile eight, it's a blizzard. Like, where we were seeing these amazing Kentucky horse farms and horses running along with us. All of a sudden we couldn't see anything because of the snow. And Joe says he looked over at me and the whole side of my body is just covered in this, you know, this snow that, that's blowing. Well, eight miles later, the clouds disappear and it's just like this beautiful spring day and the sun is shining and we're starting to, to, to feel our, our fingertips again. And then two miles later, we run into a dark cloud and these little balls of, of ice uh, carried on 20 mile an hour winds start, start hitting us in the face. Well, at about mile 18, we notice this big bird flying right towards us. And, and I'm like, what is that? And Joey's like, it's a vulture, it's a, it's a buzzard. And we just watch this big buzzard flying right at us. It's, it's big kind of ugly pink head and it literally is flying right over our heads and Joey just points at this buzzard and says hey we're not dead yet <laughs> and I needed that laugh you know because the truth is at this point in the race you're starting to become afraid like death is just around the corner well the disciples didn't believe it they, they couldn't believe the, the story that the women told them. They said it's like an idle tale. Uh, Gregory Robbins, a New Testament scholar, says that this Greek word, uh, leros, um, that that's a word that's used for kind of this, um, uh, the rambling of, of, a, of a person uh, that's, that's experiencing delirium. Like, it was too fantastical. Uh, it couldn't have been true. And so when we continue reading this story, on Easter evening, we discover that the disciples are afraid. Like they're together, but they're behind locked doors. The doors are locked because they're afraid of the Jews and they just know that for them, death is just around the corner. The Reverend Peter Story, who is a Methodist preacher, was a professor at Duke Divinity School, was president of uh, the South African Council of Churches, was the Bishop of Johannesburg for a while, um, was a freedom fighter fighting against apartheid. 
Uh, he wrote a book of sermons called With God in the Crucible, Preaching Costly Discipleship. And he, he writes an Easter evening sermon, the context being uh, these disciples behind the locked doors. And he, he talks about how our fears will lock the doors. And I've thought a lot lately, especially the last two years, about uh, the fears that we carry with us, the, the ways that we, that we get in the way. And so so uh, he preaches about our, our fear of failure and, and our fear of our past, fear of the future, fear of dying, like even fear of, of living, maybe that fear of living well, um, fear of the opinions that, that other people have of us that, that keep us from being everything that God wants us to be. And, I wanted to read this, this short paragraph. He says, What about the very fear the disciples knew that night? Fear of the Herods, the Pilots, the Caesars, the Caiaphases. Or, he says, the Verwards, the Voisters, and the Bothas. Those are South African heads of state. The Verwards, the Voisters, the Bothas, who use the age-old fear of state repression. Has it struck you that the government doesn't have to lock too many of us up in its prisons? If it can frighten us sufficiently, we will lock ourselves up, just as those disciples did, and save the government the trouble. Then he says, fear locks the doors and immobilizes us. Fear imprisons the church in mediocrity and irrelevance. Fear forces us into quiet neutrality. Because that's the safest place for fear, a fearful person and a fearful church. And then, of course, the Easter message. He says, thank God that in spite of all the locks on all the doors, Jesus can still get into the church. So I, I've been thinking about what to say this Easter, and I was curious about what uh, I've said before. And I, I, I pulled out my sermon from from two years ago in 2020 when, when the pandemic had just hit and when all of us uh, were forced uh, to be behind our doors. And um, I, I liked what I said and I thought, uh, I, I wanna just use that quote, so I'm gonna quote myself. Uh, is that weird? <laughs> I'm gonna do it anyway. So this is what I said in 2020. As much as we want to avoid suffering, there's no way around the cross. Jesus says, unless you take up your cross, you can't be my disciple. But that means something has to die. Something has to change. That's a big problem when I want to hang on to the old, when I want to keep things the way they are. But without a death, there can never be a resurrection. So we're stuck in our homes right now, keeping people at a distance. But there's a new day dawning. We're going to emerge from our isolation and we'll be able to get close. What's that day going to look like? Will I be a better husband? A better dad? Will I be a better friend to you? A better pastor? Will the town of Waynesville be better because I'm coming back from this isolation, a resurrected person? And I said two years ago, in the midst of that darkness, I have a lot of hope stirring inside of me because a new day is coming and a new day is here. I always remind myself what our United Methodist Book of Discipline uh, says about being the church. There's actually um, 
a definition of, of local church. It says the, the definition of a local church provides the most significant arena through which disciple-making occurs. It is a, a community of, of true believers who are a redemptive fellowship. And it says that under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the local church exists for the maintenance of worship, the edification of believers, and the redemption of the world. You know, this season of Lent, we've been trying to find our bearings. Uh, what is our orientation? Uh, where are we on the map? And where is that in, in relation to God? Well, our Easter orientation is resurrection. Death has been defeated. We've been set free. And according to our United Method, Methodist definition of, of church, if we're free, then eventually the world will be too. So that night at the confirmation retreat, Andy Lambert is the preacher, and he comes into the room, and he's dressed like a Roman soldier, like to the hilt. He's got the helmet with the red plume, he's got the breastplate, he's got a shield, he's got his Roman short sword, and the little skirt thing, and the, and the sandals, you know, that wrap up the legs. Uh, he's portraying the Philippian jailer. Uh, it's from the story in Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas are on this missionary journey and they're proclaiming the good news of Jesus to all the world. Well, um, Philippi is, is the, the, one of the places they end up and it's a Roman colony and it's one of the leading uh, cities in the, the entire district of Macedonia. And they get themselves into a little bit of trouble and they receive a severe flogging and they're, they're thrown into prison. And this Philippian jailer that has been uh, instructed to, to keep watch over them and to make sure they don't escape, throws them into the innermost cell and puts them in the stocks. Well, it's midnight and Paul and Silas are, are in this damp prison cell and they're, they're singing. And they're and they're they're praying and, and singing hymns to God, and all of the other prisoners are, are listening to them. Well, all of a sudden, like an earthquake of earthquakes happens, uh, the prison's um, foundations are, are shaken, and it says that that, that all of the, the chains of all of the prisoners uh, fell off, and all of the doors were, were opened. Well, this Philippian jailer wakes up. And when he realizes uh, that, that all of the doors of the prison are open, um, he assumes that all of the prisoners have, have escaped. And so he, he's about to fall on his sword and, and kill himself. And Paul's like, wait, 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 don't kill yourself. Like, we're, we're all still here. And he calls for the lights to be turned on and he, he runs in there and um, falls at, at the feet of, of Paul and, and Silas. And they began to, to tell him the story, to tell him good news, to, to share the word of the Lord. And so uh, this, this Philippian jailer uh, takes them and, and uh, takes them home and, and cleans their wounds and all this stuff. And, uh, and he and his entire household 
meet Jesus, and the whole household is baptized. It's a really cool story. Now, I can't remember for the life of me why Andy decided to, to dress up like this and to tell us this really cool story. But I do remember he said something like this. He says, when you've been set free, don't hang around the jail. And I think that's good advice for anybody, but especially for a room full of sixth graders. But after that, he said, when you've been set free, then live free. And at my spot in the back of the room, holding up the back wall, I said, that's Easter. A good friend of mine, John Boggs, told me a story about this, this group of, of whale watchers. They were on the beach um, watching for whales and they, they saw a, a baby whale that was caught in a gill net. And so this, this group of tourists uh, immediately become a group of, of environmental uh, uh, folks and they get into a small boat and, and they go out to this baby whale and all they had was a pocket knife. And so, so they're, they're desperately trying to, to free this baby whale. And they're, they're with this, this little pocket knife. And um, they're really frightened because the baby whale just looks completely exhausted. And, and they know that they're not going to be able to save it in time. Uh, but they do. They get the, they get the net cut away and uh, this baby whale is freed. And then they said... For about an hour, this baby whale is just jumping out of the water, up and down the coast, in front of this group of people, kind of like as if to say thanks. When you've been set free, then live free. That's our Easter orientation. Thanks be to God. Amen.